0: Dialogic Disciple is an invitation to explore discipleship in dialogue with the world as disciples of the Word. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Dialogic Disciple podcast. My name is James Johnson and I'm here with my co-host, Nick Houston. Nick Houston. Nick, how are you doing today? Here I am. I'm
1: doing great. I'm ready to go. I'm feeling pumped. I look like I'm on vacation. You look I'm like, like you're on actually... vacation
0: people can't see i wish we had some uh, television cameras in here i'm but telling you you've got palm trees on your shirt yeah and my pants are blue
1: and your pants I, are blue i feel like sky blue you know north carolina I blue i can't be on vacation i'm gonna dress like it you Yeah, know yeah. and uh i think i'd like to institute casual
0: mondays i think about casual summers because i'm really close to just wearing nothing but linen to the office
1: now there are some people on staff who've just started wearing shorts. <laughs> is that is that against the policy? Is that against the code? I, I feel like there was a special dispensation made for shorts with certain activities, but in general,
0: shorts are probably against the policy. I mean, I mean, it is hot outside, Nick.
1: Yeah, it is, but you're like, working
0: outside. Out, but we're also, you know, we're working for the Lord, and we're working indoors, and. If you don't have a meeting or something, I think... I got a nice pair of linen shorts I think I'm going to wear tomorrow.
1: I just assume if I see somebody in shorts that they're doing something
0: athletic (laughs) um, for the Lord. For the Lord, yes. Well, this week is uh, the 4th of July coming up, and uh, we... um, typically celebrate that in this country as the day of independence. Uh the day that we signed the Declaration of Independence, although I think it was actually signed on July second. Uh I remember reading that or hearing that somewhere that actual Independence Day is July second. But anyway, July fourth, Independence Day here in the United States of America. Good old America. Uh, what do you, you got big plans for the fourth?
1: You know, actually this year we're gonna go visit my aunt out um in Athens. Okay um not exactly so this is a Athens, new a new thing yeah but there's there always you got to go see fireworks somewhere yeah absolutely yeah. you know at the end of the street at somebody's house go to stone mountain right. see the laser show stay for the fireworks so go you guys do fireworks game. out there is that the plan something yeah we'll do fireworks out there yeah yeah i think it'd be neat
0: you can do your own family fireworks or is there a display or something out there
1: yeah No, we're just rednecks with fireworks
0: absolutely <laughs> i grew up yeah i was telling you last week that um We set off fireworks across the street from my grandmother's house uh, in the field that was across the street from her house. And uh, at the end of the night, we just pile up all the fireworks that were left and douse them with gasoline, like the whole thing on fire. (laughs) Well... Were fireworks legal in Oklahoma when you were a kid? Well, you know. Uh,
1: yeah, so, you know, there were some rules and stipulations, but for the most part, I think You know, was... in Georgia, for a long time, you couldn't buy fireworks. Is that right? That, I knew there was a huge fireworks mm-hmm. store right across the border. And so, yeah, you Tennessee. drive over the border into Tennessee or Alabama yeah. or South mm-hmm. Carolina. Mm-hmm. Um, boom, fireworks stands. Yeah, huge ones. Yeah, yeah. They were no joke. <laughs> um, but now you can buy them in Georgia. So you see okay. fireworks in Walmart now, which that would oh, never be the same. Yeah. Yeah and now you can get the good ones too like the mortars that shoot up in the air and explode explode, like really awesome um last year you know being covid nobody had their regular fireworks displays but my neighborhood was popping off i bet it was but it was and we just sat on the back porch and watched like three different neighbors shoot off displays as good as i've seen in downtown marietta like on the square that's pretty cool
0: i took uh i had kai last the 4th of july and took her up to um the lookout place that's inviting so you can kind of see out across the entirety of downtown and buckhead oh yeah and at night you can just see the skyline you can watch the planes fly like fireflies above the city mm-hmm. and uh, we watched all the fireworks going off from all across the city uh, and it was i thought it was really cool there's some that other people up neat. there Kyle was disappointed because they weren't very big because they were so far away <laughs> right but uh it was fun i had a great time anyway we got ice cream after that so she was she was fine she was happy ice cream makes everything better it does it does that was always a rule as a
1: kid. We had to, if you went to the doctor, you got ice cream.
0: Right, you got to get some kind of, mm-hmm. uh, you know, encouragement
1: to do that. So, I have, a, I have a weird relationship with a dipped cone from
0: Dairy Queen as a result. <laughs> I love dipped cones from Dairy Queen. You know they dip it in butterscotch now, too? Oh, that's insane. Hmm. They didn't have that technology when I was a kid. It was chocolate I mean, or nothing. Yeah, chocolate or nothing. But that you know that so you, you talk about Dairy Queen, you talk about ice cream fireworks. This is kind of we're getting into watermelon. the heart of watermelon. We're getting into the heart of the summer now. When it's hot outside, but we have these old traditions and all these things that are connected to how we used to do summer when we were kids and how summer's done now. Um and Fourth of July, right there at the heart, right there at the center. And uh so I thought today what we could talk about is uh, you know, what is the Fourth of July, what does freedom mean? really getting into this topic of freedom is something that we've talked about many times before both on and off air um but uh that's the topic for the day you know it's freedom and independence i think that
1: part part of the memory of the fourth of july there is a little bit of like a patriotism and church that went together mm-hmm. and this is going to get like all up in the a space of I mean, it get a little weird yeah. where you don't want to really dabble in secular politics. Right. But,
0: but for
1: some reason, church and patriotism always went together. That was kind of how I, yeah, in my upbringing, there was absolutely a correlation between being a good American... And being a good Christian, and being a good Christian, I yeah. think that's
0: that's where the problem of dabbling or mixing the two together starts to and really so, start to come out.
1: You know, we we even in our sanctuary we've got an American flag and a Christian. I was going to
0: ask you, I was going to ask you if we had an American flag in there because I haven't noticed it, and so it must be off to the side or something. I, I mean, I, unless I guess that's,
1: they took it out.
0: And I, I didn't know we even know we had a Christian flag around here. I
1: thought there was a Christian flag on the right of the lectern sure you're not side. just
0: remembering your your childhood sanctuary? Well, put the podcast on <laughs> pause, James. We're going to the sanctuary <laughs> real quick. Because we ain't been paying attention. I wonder. I wonder. We could just call Catherine. Let's put Catherine on the air.
1: <sighs> we don't have time for that. Let's just walk to the sanctuary.
0: <laughs> Let's do it. Let's, That'll take go. less time. Yeah. yeah. All right, we can report uh, back now that we do in fact have an American flag and a Christian flag uh, in the sanctuary. Yes. Can confirm. Can confirm. <laughs> I have been picking that up. I've been watching Letter Kenny. <laughs> <up. Yeah. laughs> can confirm. Yeah. Uh so all right. So we do have an American flag. I know that, that was mm-hmm. um that was always a that was always a a staple of all the sanctuaries I grew up in as well. Uh the American flag. Although sometimes for Fourth of July you'll bring in like more than one, right? You'll bring in a bunch of them, or you'll or you'll put them out here on the well, lawn. and then so you
1: would. You might also do like a recognition, like a a patriotic service that recognized branches of military service too. Yeah, and so you'd see in church, you know, everybody. If you were in the Marines, and they'd play the Marine uh-huh. theme yeah. or Navy, or you know, um, so that was definitely an element of church, and also. Like the music, there are some, you know, we play. it's 4th of July, play America the Beautiful. Yeah, yeah. Play, now this one, I didn't until I was older realize, um, Battle Hymn of the Republic.
0: Yeah, yeah.
1: I don't know, it felt like a real, is it a church song or is it an America song?
0: Well, that's the thing, right? You have um, these two things of, uh, I think over the course of, you know, almost 300 years, uh, these things have been conflated and, and not, you know, they've been merged together. A lot of that's why you'll have a lot of people say that we live uh, in a Christian nation. The United States was started as a Christian nation, so really you can't separate the two. America and Christianity—they are the same, um, and that's why we have American flags in our sanctuaries. Um, but I, I wonder—is that uh, so? Is that something
1: most denominations do? Like, is there? Do Muslims have a Saudi Arabian flag in the mosque in Saudi Arabia? I, I don't know. Well, that's a great question. I, I think. I bet they don't. It's probably
0: idolatry. I mean, uh, <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah. Uh, and I would, I would not disagree with that. Hold necessarily. on, let me make a call. <laughs> all right, let's, get, let's hop in the car and go down to the mosque. <laughs> Field trip. <laughs> um. So, I I would say that uh, religion and is patri- there a
1: Muslim flag.
0: I don't know. I don't I don't think so. Not in a way that I mean even the Christian flag is not recognized by all Christians, right? It's more of an evangelical kind of creation.
1: I'm just so interested much. in yeah. the, in the conflation like is yeah. it just something uniquely American? Well, I, or so is it a
0: I don't think it is not it is not unique to America to uh to mix patriotism and religion together, right? For a lot of people, that's really close to the heart. Both of those things are close to the heart; mm-hmm. they get mixed together. Uh, I do think that America takes it to another level. We have taken patriotism—that's American exceptionalism yeah, for you. Yeah, that's exactly right. No, that's that's kind of true. Patriotism, in and of itself, has become somewhat of a of another religion altogether. Uh, mm. I would say, and if you think about it, it the American story um, is structured a lot like. Or at least it functions a lot like the story uh, from scriptures. You know, we have sacred scriptures. We have, you know, I'm holding right now, the Declaration of Independence and the Constitution of the mm-hmm. United States. We have uh, heroes of the faith like George Washington and Thomas Jefferson and Alexander Hamilton and all these other people. Uh, and we even have mythologies that go along with those, right? We have stories that go along with those heroes that aren't necessarily true or probably not true, like, like the, the, the cherry tree. Down the cherry yeah. tree. Mm-hmm. We've got these songs we've got hymns we've got songs that are mm-hmm. uniquely American, so you know there's a lot that is you know you got the flag which kind of represents you know could be a substitute for the cross so a lot of the way in which America has branded itself or has come has has dealt with its history and and its mythology and its its uh creation um parallels a lot of what we do with Christianity. and I wonder how much of that is because of these two being mixed together so much. And how much of it is um, related to just how human beings work and how we tell stories.
1: Yeah, I really feel like to have a great conversation about this. I want to interview people from other countries with other religions. We should. Or other Christians in other countries. Yeah. Like does Canada feel particularly Christian? I don't
0: know. I don't know. I've never,
1: or is it, do we feel uniquely Christian and American just because of the way we grew up?
0: I think as a part of it, I think, yeah. um, you know, we grew up in a certain tradition that, that definitely sees America and Christianity as being parallel to mm-hmm. one another or being mixed together. Uh, and that would not be the experience of, of every Christian denomination right. for sure. Uh, Well, and non-Christians who grew up in America. Oh, yeah, definitely wouldn't be their uh, experience either. In fact, I mean, that's one of the things that people, you know, are are rallying against uh, these days is the conflation or or the idea that that America is a Christian nation. I grew up thinking that that was the case, but as I learn more and more about history and how all that stuff actually works, I mean, we're not a Christian nation. Number one, you know, there's no such thing as a Christian nation Mm -hmm. other than the kingdom of God. But also, number two, Uh, you know the level of christianity that was present in the founding fathers is uh debatable (laughs) even to this day uh is debatable what kind of uh believers they actually were they were definitely not evangelical baptist christians like uh like you see here in the south and they weren't even like Did evangelical
1: even, Methodists. What about Puritans? Would they be as close to evangelical Baptists as they had at the founding
0: time? Uh, that's kind of where the Baptist tradition grew out of. So, I mean, I'll bet that there were definitely, I mean, you're, you're talking about, um, this is, this happened during the period of, uh, right around the period of the Great Awakening, mm-hmm. where you have Jonathan Edwards, you know, a hundred, probably a hundred years before, maybe not that far before in the 1700s, preaching fire and brimstone here in America you got John Wesley coming here in the 1700s you got um you got this kind of deeply seated christian belief in in american in america as it's coming about so this is a good you know i don't think we've ever had this conversation before so
1: much of the founding of america gets hinged on enlightenment philosophy yeah and i feel like there's a fair amount of the great awakening that kind of has the same thing going
0: right yeah um there's a, a high level of rationality to it a high level of rationality to it and and a huge focus on the individual and this is in a way it's um it is a particular form of christianity that that rose out of America and out of the colonial times out of colonial america um where you have the the protestant work ethic you know mm-hmm. coming coming to full fruition uh you have along along the same time you've got scientific revolution industrial revolution starting to take hold um and you have this just r- radical focus on the individual and the individual's faith so is that
1: i guess this is a question that i have not asked you before but i've thought in other in other places as we've had conversations about religion and politics and christianity and how it kind of all yeah yeah um because we've spent a lot of time talking about community and christianity and community and what it means you know to be in community with people and living out our faith being faithful to a community um and that focus on the individual and that development of kind of individual rights yeah and then also that the personal, personal religion, personal Jesus. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, is that the pendulum swinging back from a world where the individual was persecuted or not persecuted, that's not the right word, but like, I feel like I, I, we, we see kind of humanity exist kind of swinging back and forth on things yeah, where yeah. one thing happens, so we run over here and then sure. that goes bad, so then you run back to this side. That
0: is that is the ebb and flow of human history, right there, right? Yeah. yeah. So
1: we're in this, you know, country gets formed in this highly individual yeah. environment in response to the
0: individual is nothing. Right. Like, is yeah. That no, the, that, yeah I think is that the takeaway? I think that's the case. You know, so you go all the way back to, uh, you go all the way back to 1500 and the Re- and Reformation with Martin Luther, John Calvin, and those guys. Um, this was not their intention, but what came out of that was this realization that you know once uh, once Luther is printing the Bible and putting it in people's hands, individuals' hands, rather than you have to go to the church to read the Bible or have the Bible read to you because you probably don't know how to read. One of the things that comes out of that is uh, this idea that I can read the Bible and and understand it myself. And Mm -hmm. now I don't need a community in order to gain access to uh, the scriptures. So the Bible becomes an incredibly important part of the Protestant Reformation. Like that's one of the things it hinges on. Whereas for the Catholic Church before that, you know, it was all community. You know, the church is what is the overriding uh, authority in the church uh, in Christianity, in the faith, the church is the authority. Um, and so you have the communal aspect of that, which is a good part of that. Right. And, we'll and see. the, and the realization that the Bible was put together by the church so that, you know, the church should have the, the church is what's been endowed with the Holy spirit. The church is what's supposed to be the place where we go to get formed in the faith. That being said, the church had also kind of gotten off track. Right. And had, had certainly, had certainly, um, uh, become malformed in that way. And so the spark of revelation and reformation uh, with Martin Luther and John Calvin and those guys starts this understanding that the individual can have direct access to God and through the, through the elements of communion or through the scriptures or through just personal prayer or whatever it might be. Uh, there's a lot of different things that, that come out of that that has a that has a profound impact on how people begin to do things like uh, social philosophy or political philosophy so you got this at the same time you've got that's you know the enlightenment is sparked mm-hmm. and so you now you have individuals who are talking about social contracts and all these other things but um well, it so goes all the way back to that and the most interesting thing that you said there actually where if you're
1: printing a bible and now the bible can be read by the individual Yeah. Um, the explanation for me in understanding why the Bible was important was not a matter of getting out of community because certainly I was raised to believe that the community was important, right, but it was who had the authority, yeah, yeah, and so what you said about authority and the church having the authority to interpret the scriptures versus the individual having the authority to interpret right um so that you're not. I don't know that's that's a that's a streak that runs hard through me, yeah, that um I'm not gonna just blindly accept one other's interpretation right because
0: they have authority, you should always question it right, so yeah, and that would that and that comes from a deep sense within you that's been built within your enlightenment personality uh that says you gotta be rational about these things, you gotta think this through and you gotta make a decision for yourself on mm-hmm. what you believe and what you think. Um, And now that you have access to the scriptures, you can do that. That is where the authority shifts. So in almost every Protestant tradition, uh, you have the idea that instead of the church having authority, the Bible has authority, has ultimate Mm -hmm. authority, as if the Bible... uh, actually contains you know the bible becomes in that sense becomes they start talking about it as the word of god right it becomes something that has authority in and of itself well it talks about itself as the word of god well no it doesn't actually it talks about jesus christ being the word of god but 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 it does you know the bible is important Oh, right? but now we've conflated those <laughs> we know those have been conflated for a long time
1: But then, what more ultimate authority is that? And so you talk about a Declaration of Independence, which is really saying,
0: yeah. I no longer respect your authority, or 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 abide by your authority." Right. So and so you can think about it like that. Um, there's definitely some parallels there. So you know, people Christians are called, uh, or at least Protestant Christians, uh, generally are called within our tradition anyway, are called people of the book and people who who value the Bible and the voice of the Bible and the individual's ability to interpret it through the holy spirit, right? Um, and then make a rational decision based on your experience about whether or not you agree with what the church says, right? And so that that entire understanding of faith that is just is saturated with the enlightenment uh, is what takes heart here in America early on in the 1600s 1700s. Well, and, yeah,
1: it seems like that's the kind of the same attitude that's then taken towards government.
0: Yeah. Yeah.
1: is nobody gets to tell me what to do i get to decide yeah who represents me and how we agree on right what
0: what the right rational method of government should be so you can look at it as a way of saying that um and in much the same way and this happened all across europe but in much the same way that the protestants break away from the church because they think the authority rests in my ability to read scripture rather than uh rather than in uh the church you get the same sense in which this colonial, you know, these colonies over here uh, mm-hmm. decide that they're no longer under the authority of the monarchy, the crown right. uh, or British parliament or any of those things, but rather can make decisions for ourselves over here. Mm-hmm. Um, you Know, and there's all obviously a lot of historical factors that go into that. That's not as easy as one day George Washington woke up and said, You know what? I have authority over myself, <laughs> right? You know, that's not how it happened, but yeah, that's we're part about of the philosophical background. We're of, about drastic
1: oversimplification on this podcast yeah, we because are. we don't have time for
0: <laughs> and do not use this to uh Mm-mm. to you know to cr- cr- cram for a, a world history or a United States history right. exam. You've got a lot of reading to do, <laughs> yeah. Um. But you do get this very peculiar, I would say peculiar and uh, uniquely American version of Christianity that rises up here, of which Methodism is maybe the first true Christian denomination. Uh, I'm sorry, American American, American, American denomination, denomination uh, where it is is uniquely has this this flavor of the individual's experience and and the decision that it, that an individual needs to make. Mm-hmm. Um, that's that's something that there's elements of elements of in, in, in all throughout Christian tradition Well, but and to come together the way they did
1: here is you're addressing that like theologically but then in terms of the polity
0: of the Methodist Church I mean gosh it is American it's a mirror of America right mm-hmm. and the churches in general that seems to be the case like in throughout history we generally uh, seem to want to mirror whatever government we happen to be under I mean you look at the, the polity of the Catholic Church uh, up until very recently, was um, pretty much structured off of you know, how the Roman Empire worked. <laughs> mm-hmm. So uh, that's something that's happened. But it, it, again, with the Methodist Church in particular, uh, you mm-hmm. there is this deep connection between the birth of America and the birth of Methodism. And those two births coinciding with each other. And not just that, but Protestant Christianity in America. So you get this idea that, to get back to our original point, that patriotism and faith get get uh, mixed together because they were born at the same time. But I would argue, and a lot of people would disagree with this, and I, I'm happy to have this discussion. Um, but I would argue that they are not the same thing and should not be the same thing. Like our patriotism, our love for our nation, uh, which is completely valid and and something to be encouraged, is not something that should be conflated with our love for Christ, and and our pursuing of the kingdom of God.
1: I want to go there, but I also am curious about what the period before the Enlightenment was like. Like, I guess in terms of
0: what, what would have been the philosophy prior to that, well you're talking about the time of the renaissance uh before the enlightenment so you're you're talking about a uh a period in which um when those two things kind of overlap but um mm-hmm. but you're talking about a period of of rediscovering a lot of different and old texts a lot of uh, ancient greek philosophy and rediscovering some of um some of that 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 uh, ancient world uh, that well, we had lost or had not really and, studied or, or looked at in a long time.
1: And that's where you get the, uh,
0: the Greeks were the first. Yeah. You know, is where you get the lie, the, 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 the myth that yeah, Athens was the first democracy and that the Greeks invented democracy. and Yeah. And that whole idea that we need to get back to that and we need to read more Aristotle and we should be reading Plato and Socrates mm-hmm. and all these guys and um, that these are the ones who really understand, you know, uh, how to be human in the world. And that's what leads to um you know there's a, there's a whole shift in culture that happens during that time period where you that's why you have you know Michelangelo and mm-hmm. Donatello and all the other ninja turtles you have them right you have them painting pictures of greek stories you know right yeah. and then they're getting back to that that uh world so before it's a romanticizing of mm-hmm.
1: history yeah. yeah it just is it's truly interesting
0: to think about kind of the broad sweep of things how they go mhm and 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 the other thing about that is, you know, before the Enlightenment and even during the Enlightenment, the church and the state were basically the same thing. You know, there was a lot of you know, mm-hmm. a lot of the a lot of the monarchies of Europe functioned under the power or at least the heavy influence of the Pope. The church was the place where everyone went for everything. Well, and you wouldn't be the king if God didn't want you to be. That's right, You're right. So Exactly. Um so the the world we live in now is is radically different from that world uh, mm-hmm. and and we live in a post kind of a post enlightenment um a post enlightenment world anyway but we have this kind of this residue of rationality that we still apply uh to our faith and and there's nothing necessarily wrong with that but um when we start to talk about you know when so when we start to talk about um independence and freedom and these things Mm -hmm. we're approaching it with a lot of baggage right a lot of different ideas are floating around in our head well and that's where i feel like so much of that is
1: coming from um who's the authority gonna be yeah and so
0: often we want the answer to who is the authority to be me right right i'm the authority and that's yeah and that's exactly what the enlightenment was about i mean that is the the enlightenment was about coming out of our minority like we somehow uh, as a as a humans have graduated from being children and now can make decisions on our own. Um, and then trying to figure out a way to come to consensus, you know, how, how can you be the authority of you and me be the authority of me? And then we build a community together where we have to be able to consent to being, uh, we have to consent to give our authority over to another authority, but we always have the right to take it back or something like that. Right. Well, and
1: so let's kind of, we've wound our way back. Yeah. Um, for me in my, you know, patriotic life, I want to have the authority.
0: All right, so when you say authority, what, what exactly do you think, what do you mean by that?
1: I want to make the decisions. I want to be able to choose what's right for me. I don't want somebody else to choose for me. Mm-hmm. I don't want to choose. Mm-hmm. But in my Christian
0: life, yeah,
1: who's the authority?
0: Well, it should be. Jesus Christ, Jesus Christ, right? Yeah,
1: and so it gets to be a little bit of a weird place. Yeah, where in terms of patriotism in America, I, I guess some people would argue, well, actually, no, that Jesus argue, Christ should be the, yeah, authority, the authority for America, of too. America
0: too. Yeah, that's um, that's what people who who would argue that that America is a Christian nation or should be a Christian nation, right? They would say, well, Jesus should be the authority. We call that a theocracy, right? And doesn't generally work out very well in human history. <laughs> so I wanna get back to, to a second, I want to get back to what you were talking about with authority and you said when it comes to like the nation or it comes to patriotism, you want to have the authority to make your own decisions about your life. Mm-hmm. How far does that extend? Uh, what do you mean by that? Like, so what I mean is you want, like, what do you mean? I get like, you want to give consent for taxes. You want to give consent for, uh, military incursions. You want to give consent for, uh, decisions about roads and all of those things. Like you want to have a piece of that authority or you want to have that authority, but in the form of government that you live under this republic you've you've surrendered that authority or at least you've you've encapsulated that authority into a vote right and so you vote in order to say all right i like what that guy's doing i like what she's doing i like what he's doing
1: Mm
0: -hmm. i'm gonna follow that i'm gonna consent to that
1: but you run into the same problem because not you know ultimately a decision gets made and you may or may not be on the right side of it
0: right so how do you deal with that
1: well, you're just mad about it.
0: You're just mad about it. You go on Twitter. It's so much. Or, so know. much of my life. I'm just mad about it, James. <laughs> well, that probably explains a lot of the anger in America. <laughs> <laughs> um, but it's, so, but part of part of uh, surrendering that authority then is also the recognition that you're not always going to win, mm-hmm. and that uh, sometimes other people are going to be in charge. But that doesn't mean that you leave the country, and it doesn't mean that you give up on what you think is right. It it means that there's a system. There's there is a system of of uh, change. You know, automatic well, revolution built into this country every two years.
1: And I guess the real the real concern is: are the uh, d- do all the people agree? While maybe not on a particular issue, but they all have that same sense of wanting to have the authority or wanting to not be under someone else's authority i mean but that really is i mean that's the that's the reason why we have all these stupid fights
0: and we do but but we also are given the at least given the idea and i think the reality that we're given a voice here in the in this, under this government in this country we're given a voice and we're given a vote which is just a more condensed version of voice yeah and you, you're given those things and those things, as long as they are not impinged on or taken away, uh, give you an ability to live under a government that you didn't choose necessarily, you know, or, or I'm sorry. Well, uh, and you, so that's the core value that either government would need to agree on. Right.
1: Right. That neither, neither government will do anything that would impinge on the ability of right a differing opinion. So long as you keep it between these ditches. Right. Right
0: right so and that's that's where we get to the constitution of the united states and the the bill of rights mm-hmm. right which are exactly the exactly what you just described these kind of guarantees that we we're supposed to have that are that are protected and that are guaranteed by the government that we are a part of that being said uh those rights have been impinged on or have been rejected or have been kept from certain groups of people or of all groups of people from mm-hmm. time to time. Um and and there are, you know, there's a question of whether or not any any human government can fully be trusted with that kind of authority anyway. But what else are you gonna do, right? Like is it Winston Churchill who said, democracy is the worst form of government except for all the rest. And that's there's a there's some truth to that idea that we're we're just not going to be very I good. Mean,
1: that's the reason that earlier I said you know I like the idea of this kind of government, but I'm not going to trust it. still Like I'm still <laughs> right, I'm not going right. to blindly follow
0: something. Still right. asking some questions, right? Because you you have that attitude of uh, and and rightfully so, you have this attitude of, of I get to make this choice for myself, and that's something that's relatively new in in world history, uh, the idea that that you have the authority over yourself, that you have a, a choice, right? I get to make a choice for myself. That's something that only the elite, <laughs> the best of the best, kind mm-hmm. of uh, the highest froth of society has had up until recently, right? So that's a good thing. And I think that's something to be praised, something that um, that you know should be recognized and protected for all people in the United States uh, and all across the world, probably for that matter. That being said, we are not very good at making the right choices for ourselves, (laughs) both as individuals and as as groups. We don't often make the best choice. Right. Do you know what I'm talking about when I pray about it, James? (laughs) Well, seeing that, that gets me back to, to what we're talking about here, which is. Which is you. You said before, like when I'm talking about government, authority means me and and what I'm choosing. Mm-hmm. But when it comes to faith, the authority, thank God, is not me. It is Jesus Christ and how Jesus is revealed in my life to the Holy Spirit. That is completely structurally different than any form of government that we have on this planet, including this republic that we have here in the United States. Um, well, and it is a fascinating comparison. In that kingdom of God...
1: Everyone has given up their authority to follow God. Yeah. Yeah. And And that is human government. None of us are trying to give up any authority. Right. While all agreeing with our fingers crossed behind our back that we will
0: as long as everything goes our way. Right. So conflating those two, (laughs) conflating those two then becomes really problematic. I mean, at the end of the day. Because here's the thing, we've we've carried that same attitude, that kind of attitude of, we'll, okay, we'll give up our authority as long as it goes our way or uh, as long as we can figure out a way to make it go our way or whatever. Uh, that attitude that we have with governments, we've carried that over into the church. And you can see that people are, they treat their church the same way that they treat their their state or their County or their city or their, their HOA yeah, or their HOA. Yeah. Oh my gosh. The freaking I, HOA. I mean, that's kind of how they, they kind of do it. So they say, you know, all right, I'm, I'm consenting or I'm, I'm giving up my authority to, to, uh, Jesus Christ. And, and I'm, I'm becoming part of this community of fellow disciples of Jesus Christ. But actually I don't really trust any of you. And if we make a decision that I don't like, I'm going to leave and I'm going to go find somewhere else. I can have mm-hmm. a, a larger or louder voice where I can make more of an impact in the world. Well, we've learned that right if wrong. something
1: isn't going right, you declare independence and you start <laughs> your own thing. And that's
0: why there's a Baptist church on every corner in every small uh, town man, in Georgia. You are not you are not wrong. There there is there is something about that that is built into the American ideal, right? It is built into the American personality that if it's not going your way, you you just you, know, we could we just be, you find a new spot and, and start go, over. And go again. Yeah. We have lost that old, old world mentality of this is where I live. This is where I am. And I'm going to work for the change, you know, the, the, this, that that this history is very slow moving and that if things don't go my way, that doesn't mean I get to leave. I don't know. That's interesting. There's also something to be said here about the connection between uh, old tradition and and doing things the way they've always been done versus... Mm-hmm. Uh, new ideas and stuff, right? Um, hmm.
1: Well, I mean, we're stuck on that just with the impact of COVID and how we've started doing yeah. worship online. Like, I don't know if we ever would have done worship online really well if yeah. COVID hadn't happened. What would have been the motivating factor? Like, why? Why would why you would have shifted have where your yeah. resources were to make that happen? And now we realize, you know, actually, we can do it well, and it it, yeah. it it can be a thing. And we could maybe even do it even better. Like, there are other ideas for how to do that. Yeah.
0: But um, well, if we hadn't been pushed. Right, if we hadn't been forced into that situation. Mm-hmm. And that just speaks to how great we are uh, at human beings, how great we are at adapting and making and making, you know, Uh, decisions like that on the fly, like we can do that. Like that's like, that is part of our creative ability that uh, when it's guided by the Holy Spirit can become an incredibly powerful force for change and for good in the world. Uh, But when it's guided by just our own hearts and minds can sometimes become a creative force for (laughs) destruction uh, in this world as well. I would say like this podcast, like we really got serious about the podcast once the once the COVID thing happened as well. Yeah. And well, we got, it's hopefully we've gotten point. better at it. I don't know. I mean, maybe we've gotten worse. I don't know, but we at least have a pattern to what we're doing now.
1: I am real. I, I, I really, I don't know. I'm stuck on the authority thing. Yeah. So let's keep I'm talking about that yeah. I'm stuck there because that is the issue in the church even is that you, you agree to be a member of a church and participate in the life of the church. But if anything contentious happens
0: Yeah. Then you don't believe in the authority of the person in charge of the church. So that I mean that speaks to what we actually think of authority, right? This is a hard thing to talk about because authority is not something that we we don't talk about it a lot, A. And not as adults anyway. Like, unless we're talking to children. <laughs> uh, no, so one of the things that Jeff is working on, I think, for his doctorate program is, is this idea of biblical authority. And where where do people land on the idea of biblical authority? How much authority does the Bible have? What do we think of when we think of authority from the Bible? Oh you well, know. that's goofy. It's the authority as long
1: as you interpret it the right way. No, that's
0: exactly right. So that's uh, and that's one of the reasons why Wesley, when he you know reading his work, you get this idea that there's kind of four sources or four authorities that work together. Uh, the Wesleyan Wesley Quadrilateral, right? right, which we like to talk about. Uh, I like that faith. No, what is it? Scripture and faith. Uh, scripture, tradition, reason, and experience, but mm-hmm. all four have to work together and none of them, none of them, not even scripture stands alone as a single source of authority. And those things work, not just what I like about them is that they work on the individual level and they work on the communal level. And in fact, you have to have a communal level for those things that work. You can't have tradition and just have an individual.
1: Well, if the Bible didn't say anything about it, you just should have known better. Right. Or if the Bible didn't say anything about it, it just didn't exist. Right. <laughs> and, and and then Bill does this um, sermon on adultery on Sunday. Yeah. Yeah. And he talks about the Hebrew concept of adultery where you could be one man married to multiple women. Right. But not a woman married to multiple men. Right. And so the way that the lines cut for adultery were real different. They were. Yeah. Well. I feel like we have completely misinterpreted that. Yeah, yeah. And we were probably not ever designed to just be married to one woman, James. (laughs) And that's the problem.
0: Maybe so. Maybe so. And that's in the Bible, Mom. (laughs) Right, right. I mean, polygamy is the primary way in which marriage is understood in the Bible. So... People keep talking about this biblical conception of family. Way to get back to what the you know a Bible's view of family, and I'm like, no, you There's don't some you, you don't real want any of those families. jacked up There's There's families no in the Bible? family in the Bible you want to be. <laughs> so like, I don't so that's know. that's a great example though of what we're talking about with biblical authority, right? The story that yeah. we just edited out of the podcast that you guys can't are not allowed to hear. But right. this this idea... It's too of, hot it's, for the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> you guys aren't ready. We're taking the authority and making the choice <clears throat> yep. not to put it in there. But you, you get to the question of, you know, it, you, if you say the Bible is the ultimate authority, which has been a very popular thing for Protestant Christians to say, particularly in America, then you have to ask yourself, well, how are you reading that Bible? You know, mm-hmm. how are you approaching it? Wait, what is the, how does the Bible even want to be read, right? I mean, like... How, questions like that we can go round and round and round on mm-hmm. it is not as easy as the bible says so like it, that's never the end of a conversation and if it is the end of a conversation it's not a christian conversation because conversations don't end in christianity it's ongoing dialogue uh, between us and the holy spirit and the tradition that we're a part of scripture reason tradition experience all four of these things play a huge role and should play a role in uh and where our, our sense of authority comes from and where we're getting our doctrines from and our thinking from they have to be all four so and you're going real wesleyan on this one well this is the one part of wesley i like <laughs> <laughs> no this is uh and this is and, and to be clear the the quadrilateral is not actually wesley like he did not sit down and say these are the four sources it was I mean, a guy think that man was a genius it was a guy after him who was kind of breaking down all of his thinking um, and uh, and you can see kind of these distilled elements it. It distilled. It's distilled, okay. right? And All it right. only happened like fifty years ago, so it's not even that. Lo- it's not even that old, um, but it has become very popular. So and Bill probably didn't learn this in seminary. <laughs> Man, I, I authority not what I thought we were going to talk about today, but uh, I didn't either. It but. certainly is. It certainly is a. Uh, a prescient topic when we're talking about freedom and we're talking about independence mm-hmm. uh and, you know independence is always independence from another
1: authority right um well now that was an interesting thing you brought up in one of these conversations about freedom from something or freedom to do something right and, so
0: so it, let's talk about that for just a, a few minutes um and uh, in order to do that i have some scripture i'd like to read Right. Okay, so this All is right. from this is from Paul, and this is actually from and the, it's probably an authority, but yeah, right. We, we won't heard, know until right. we so until we know if we agree with it or not. <laughs> so this is Galatians chapter five, and this I, I hate reading one verse out of context, but the, I think this. We've verse... We've been
1: doing Galatians chapter five for a month already. Uh, I know, I know. Another so another this month.
0: is at the very beginning. So this is a, this okay. is the beginning of the chapter that says the fruits of the spirit in it. But this is what it says. Um, it says Christ has set us free for freedom therefore stand firm and don't submit to the bondage of slavery again this Galatians chapter 5 verse 1 he goes on to say later on uh, you were called to freedom brothers and sisters only don't let this freedom be an opportunity to indulge your selfish impulses but serve one another through love all the all the all, all of the law is fulfilled in a single statement love your neighbor as yourself but if you bite and devour each other be careful that you don't get eaten by it get eaten up by each other so he's this is the context that he's talking about freedom it's for freedom that that it is for freedom that christ has set us free don't become slaves again and, and in particular he's talking there about becoming slaves to our own uh selfish impulses becoming slaves to our own uh the sin in our lives um so <clears throat> And in another context, he says, uh, talking about the same thing, he says that we were we were freed from the slavery of sin in order to become slaves to Christ. Mm-hmm. So when he's talking about freedom, I think Christ is, or that Paul is talking about freedom in two different kinds of ways here. He's talking about freedom from something, right? Freedom from sin, freedom from death, all right? We're being freed from those places, those things that have us, they have us on hold. They have us held up or they have us wrapped up. But he's also talking about a freedom to be something, a freedom to be what we were meant to be, what we were called to be, a freedom now that we are out of the cage of sin and death. We can now free to be human beings created in the image of God. What he's not talking about necessarily, and what I think we all think about freedom as, is a freedom to do. Because when you become a Christian, you are set free for sure. But it is not a freedom to do whatever you want to do. Right, so that authority that you that you receive. So if you think about it in terms of authority, I think this is a good way to talk about it. Hmm. We are under the authority of sin and death, and we have been freed from that authority and placed under the authority of Christ, which is a which is a authority that allows us to be free to become what we were intended to be. But it's not an authority that gives us the freedom to do whatever we want to do, because well, that would be, to be taking authority back. Enslave us to Christ. Exactly. Yeah. Which is the opposite of freedom. Right. Right. But that's that. Well, that is. What does that mean? How does that sound to you? What does
1: that jumps out to you? It makes me think of the platitudes in terms of not having it not being the freedom to do whatever we want. Yeah. One of my favorite platitudes is, you know, somebody says, well, can I sit there? Somebody goes, it's a free country. Oh, yeah. Mm -hmm. It's a free country, isn't it? Right. So you can do whatever you want. Yeah. Because it's a free country. But really, you can't.
0: Really, you can't. Certainly not without consequence. Yeah. And that's the same way it is with Christianity in a sense. But, you know, we are set free, but it's not a freedom to indulge. It shouldn't be a freedom to indulge our own selfish desires in other words, I think one of the things he's talking like our ability to be authorities over ourselves is corrupted. Like sin mm-hmm. corrupts that. When we try to take authority of ourselves, whether we're talking about individuals or churches or nations or anything else, when we try to do that and, and rest completely in that uh, our own authority, we fail, and it gets dark really quick. And human history is full of that darkness. And that is that is what we were trying to
1: replicate. In our government. Yeah. In the Declaration of Independence, in the Constitution. We're trying to replicate the freedom to be, but not the freedom to do. I mean, we, I think, have prescribed pretty well, maybe not in law exactly, but. Yeah. Certainly in culture, your freedom
0: ends where mine begins. See, I I wonder if, I wonder if it's. I don't know if I agree with you, and I want to, I want to say it like this. I think when you look at the Bill of Rights and you look at what's said in Declaration of Independence, I think that what it's trying to do is enumerate freedoms that we have to do, right? Cause mm-hmm. It's about making a decision and some doing some kind of action, right? So freedom of speech, freedom of religion, these are freedoms to do something. Yeah. Freedom to bear arms, freedom to um, gather... Uh, uh, gather Together freedom to do all these things that we have uh, there there are enumerations of freedoms or rights that we have based on uh, freedom to do not not necessarily a freedom to be, although I do think you're right that there's this kind of underlying hope that we become what we're meant to be, which is just I think free human beings well, that's a fun space if the
1: the best that government can do is the freedom to do, yeah. Yeah. And only Jesus Christ can give you the freedom to be. I think that's exactly right. No, I
0: think hmm. that's exactly right. I like that. It's truly, it's really only Christ can give us the freedom to be what we're designed to be. Sure. Right? Because otherwise, we are still under the authority of sin and death. Uh, and as long as we're under that, it doesn't matter how much freedom to do you have, you're going to end up in even deeper into that authority. Because it turns out, when you have the freedom well, to do whatever you want to do, you just do the, the things that you shouldn't be doing. We've got the freedom to do a lot of stuff that jesus would frown on yeah (laughs) that's true that's very true uh and we you know as a culture we have certainly taken advantage of of that freedom right when when god when jesus and paul and the bible when the scriptures talk about freedom it's not talking about the same kind of freedom that the constitution of the united states is talking about when we talk about freedom as Christians, we're not talking about the same kind of freedoms that we're talking about with uh, being American. These are two yeah these are two separate things, and sometimes I think even diametrically opposed to one another. I think sometimes they're competing freedoms. Um, because I think the freedoms that we've been provided and given. Uh, in America um, are freedoms to do and they're freedoms that oftentimes lead us to gratifying those selfish desires that Paul talks about here that we often get enslaved to. Yeah. Whereas the freedom that we have in Jesus Christ is truly a freedom from sin and death and a freedom that allows us to become what we were designed to be, which is people who love each other, right? People who truly are vulnerable with each other and trust each other and are willing to surrender their own personal authority, empty themselves of that in order to be in relationship with others. That's what a church should look like. No, Um, I like the,
1: I feel like you've got a really good sermon out of this, (laughs) like a good possibility for that, that 4th of July sermon where it's, you know, America. gives you the freedom to do Mm -hmm. but Jesus Christ (laughs) gives you the freedom freedom to to be be. (laughs) there's a I mean I think there's something something really good there there is something to that Um, I mean that's the punchline but uh
0: you might not need as
1: much lead up as we took to get there Um, I liked your read your scripture again
0: what was the second part of it the second part so this is from Galatians chapter 5 right and uh verse 13 through 15 I think good words for the 4th of July let's uh Let's close with these, this word from Paul uh, as we think about what's happening as we, as we head into the holiday weekend. Uh, this is what it says. You are called to freedom, brothers and sisters, only don't let this freedom be an opportunity to indulge your selfish impulses, but serve each other through love. All the law has been fulfilled in a single statement. Love your neighbor as yourself. But if you bite and devour each other, be careful that you don't get eaten up. each other I think that sums up what it looks like to be willing to surrender authority to Jesus Christ through the Holy Spirit in the body of the church the body of Christ to serve one another right to use Mm -hmm. our to use our freedom to serve one another to use our authority uh, to surrender our authority to love one another Um, and if we don't we end up trying to consume one another yeah. Do you think? Well, and the, the,
1: I really feel like the toughest part of that is that it's not serve one another because everyone else is serving you. Right. Regardless of what everyone else is doing,
0: you're serving. That's right. And in fact, that's the ones who are serving who are actually free. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's, that's the shocking turn, I think, the twist and what the kingdom of God looks like that makes it so different. From, uh, from the kingdom of America or the kingdom of whatever, whoever, whatever nations have existed on this planet, uh, the kingdom of God is different from the kingdom of humanity in this way: that those who serve, those who sacrifice, those who surrender authority, are the ones who are actually free, because they're becoming what they were designed and created to be. What great thought as America celebrates freedom. <laughs> That's exactly right. All right, so, uh, Nick, have a great Fourth of July. I hope that you uh, get to explode some stuff, and uh, I'll do the same. I'm looking forward to it. All right, man. See you in Northside.